Hello everybody and welcome to the Happy Dystopian. Today for the first time in a podcast format. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Not alone uh, this time. Uh, as you may or may not know, I am uh, writing a book together with my co-author Chris Wensink. And uh, he is here today to talk, uh, among other things, about our upcoming book titled Regionalizing Eurasia. So uh, Chris, welcome. Uh, could, could you perhaps tell us something about what, uh, what the book is about? Thanks Midos, uh, thanks for, uh, for having me. How is life? <laughs> yeah, great, yeah. So uh, uh, enjoying uh, the summertime and uh, yeah, so, uh, so all's, uh, all's good. How about you? Perfect. Yeah, my, my shoulder is still a little bit hurting from my, uh, my second COVID uh, jab I got uh, yesterday afternoon. Ah, but right. apart from that, uh, doing, uh, doing quite well. At least you're fully protected now. Uh, Absolutely. I've yet to get my first shot, but uh, okay. I'm significantly uh, younger than you, of course. So that's... Uh, well, man is <laughs> as, as young as he feels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, go, go ahead. Yeah, about the book. So, um, I think it's 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 a great a great topic uh, for for two political scientists, uh, uh, originally political scientists, uh, who have then uh, uh, made a shift to towards a more corporate environment uh, uh, to um, to shed light on as a as a sort of personal project um, uh, uh, regionalizing uh, Eurasia. So. What we have always uh, seen over the last five decades or so is that globalization was always regarded as sort of an unstoppable, unstoppable force of, of nature. Um, uh, there was the need for more efficiency. There was a need for, for competition-driven innovation. Uh, there was a necessity for competition between labor markets, between tax regimes uh, and the like. Um, public policy, basically all public policy, uh, domestic, but also international policy was, was aimed at, at facil facilitating uh, uh, globalization. So the opening up of uh, borders, facilitation of free trade, um, of course, but at the local and, 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 and regional level, uh, degrees of, of welfare, welfare uh, state spending. Um, a uh, retreat of public services, uh, etc. And on the whole, it's also been called, for instance, a, a new public management, um, but a, a sort of a market thinking in the public sphere, in the, in the public environment. Um, there, there is no alternative, right? As uh, Margaret Thatcher famously said. There is no alternative, yes. Tina. <laughs> Um, yeah, and already in 2007, so uh, that, that seems like yesterday, but mind you, it's almost 15 years ago, well, 14 years ago, uh, when I was uh, still in, in political science class, uh, we had this project uh, based on a book written by a, a Swiss political scientist, uh, uh, Hans-Peter Kriesi, and that book uh, basically made the, the assertion that um, a new political, socio-political divide in Western society uh, was, uh, was emerging, a divide between winners and losers of globalization. 
So after the Second World War, uh, the, the political uh, divides, if you will, were about redistribution and, and, and the, the creation of welfare states. And then you see that uh, from, uh, say, the 1970s onwards, you see that welfare states become uh, uh, more and more of a burden on the, on the, the public budget uh, and, and are gradually, basically until now, continuously being decreased. Uh, so what you, what you see is that um, quite a, a large share of, 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 of populations that used to be engaged in, in blue collar work and the like, uh, increasingly find it difficult to make a living, to, 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 have, to, uh, to be, be able to pay for a, for a home, to pay for their children's education uh, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like we describe in the book as well, eh? a lot of the blue collar work, the, the production, uh, has been offshore to uh, to low cost uh, locations across the world. So it's, uh, it's one of the most important aspects of uh, of globalization. So for a long time there was considered to be no uh, no alternative. However, currently uh, we see sort of uh, a retreat of uh, of globalization. Um, so Chris, what do you think that will mean for both the winners and and the losers out of the uh, equation? Yeah. Yeah. What what we what I think is the the, the main point that we make uh, in the book. Of course, we're we're making multiple points, <laughs> but the main point is that um, moving towards a sort of a new thinking about globalization uh, in 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 the form or or titled regionalization offers quite a lot of opportunities for tackling issues that have been here for quite a long time uh, that are associated with, with globalization. So um, the, the argument of regionalization as it is, is, is not new, um, but an, an, an important thing to, to note is that globalization or uh, the, the globalized economy isn't about to, to disappear overnight. But a, a sort of a turn towards a more regional footing um, is happening. So what you see is that, for instance, production costs, particularly labor costs, uh, are, 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 are leveled leveling out between different different regions of the world. So for instance, the Chinese East Coast, where, where uh, it used to be called the factory of the world, isn't quite competitive anymore. You, you cannot produce uh, cheap consumer goods uh, in, in, in those areas anymore because it's not competitive anymore. Exactly, so the, the wages over there have been increasing at a rapid uh, pace. Well, the wages in the more industrialized or high income nations uh, have stagnated. So slowly we are moving to a, a closer level to each other, basically. Exactly. And, and uh, don't forget also the, the, the mid income and the upper mid income nations. Uh, think in, in, in the EU, think about Poland, for instance. Uh, but but uh, there are other examples as well. Um, and then indeed you see that the production from, from the, the 
the, the Chinese East Coast is, is being moved to countries such as uh, Vietnam or, or back to, to the home markets in North America, Europe, uh, but also to West China or uh, Inland China as, uh, as it is uh, uh, also called because production there is still competitive. So again, there you see sort of a new dynamic um, that offers opportunities for, for creating new jobs in one's own region. Um, but moving production closer to, to, to the target market, market also means that uh, transportation uh, becomes uh, a, a smaller share of, of the costs. Uh, you, you have a, uh, a certain cost uh, that uh, is involved in, in bringing a product from, from nothing to basically to the shop. Yeah. Uh, and tra transport, if you have to move your goods uh, across uh, half the globe, and that is a, a part of that cost. And if you produce close to or, or uh, at the target market, um, that is uh, also to be taken into account. Yes, yeah, so if, if the labor cost advantage is uh, less great because of this leveling, which we uh, discuss, then also in some uh, sectors, the transportation costs become more salient and therefore production closer to the target market becomes more attractive. Exactly, and, and emissions also decrease. So, um, of course, ocean shipping is uh, per kilogram or per ton of cargo the most efficient and, 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 and least polluting uh, mode of transport. But on the whole, it's, uh, it's an incredible, incredibly polluting business. So, um, uh, you see that, that things uh, um, sort of, sort of uh, touch each other at base, and uh, offer at the same time opportunities to fight climate change, opportunities to uh, uh, provide for 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 better jobs and uh, uh, better paid jobs for for one's own citizens and and so forth. Yeah, I think what you have touched upon is, uh, I think, the main purpose of our book. Uh, because there has been a lot of talk about the retreat of, uh, of globalization. Oftentimes it has been mentioned as uh, like a step back, like we're moving backwards into history. A retreat. A retreat, it's exactly. almost, almost uh, like, like Marxist talk. Eh? We have to advance or retreat. Yeah, yeah. We're going yeah. back in time, uh, basically, <laughs> to a scary uh, nationalism. Um, but uh, I think we provide an alternative view on this by stating, okay, we're not going back to, to a scary nationalism. We are moving forward into a regionalism, which will actually uh, deliver a lot of opportunities to solve existing problems. Exactly. And by being aware of this development, you can be at the forefront uh, of, of making the necessary changes and adapting to thrive in this, uh, in this new situation. Exactly. So... Um, so another topic which you mentioned, which I think is also very interesting here, is uh, is the emissions. Mm -hmm. So now we are mentioning it basically as a, like a given. Okay, of course we want to fight uh, emissions, uh, but the ambitions uh, regarding to uh, fighting climate change are huge, uh, both in the, in Europe, in the, in the U.S., and also in other parts of uh, of the world. 
could you tell us something about how that will impact uh, the production location and the regionalization of, uh, of production? Yeah, like I said, so um, first of all, uh, moving production closer to the market implies uh, fewer transport kilometers. Yes. And therefore less pollution. That's one. But uh, there's also, of course, uh, an element of, of, of public thinking. And uh, what you see is uh, the, the, the pricing of, of CO2 emissions. Exactly, yeah. That is um, yeah, still not entirely perhaps working as it should be, as a sort of market mechanism. But uh, the thinking is there, the, 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 the basic uh, intention is there. Um, and that, that can only be expected to, to exert a, a further and an even greater impact in future. Absolutely, yes. So that, that will sort of uh, augment the, 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 the shift that we already see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so to expand a bit upon that, uh, for example, in, in Europe, the ambition is very, uh, uh, very salient uh, to uh, fight uh, climate change by reducing emissions. And for those reasons, we have very strict rules on multiple sectors, on agriculture, uh, on the production of goods, uh, etc., uh, on limiting emissions in, uh, in factories. Mm -hmm. And if we are really serious about those restrictions, but on the other hand, we are importing a lot of goods which are produced in locations yeah. uh, where those rules uh, do not exist, then you are not solving climate change. And at the same time, you are destructing your, uh, destroying your own uh, production economy. Yeah. So, that's, so, yeah. That's your reversed mercantilism, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you are. Can you, can you explain that topic? Yeah, absolutely. Reversed mercantilism. So mercantilism, it's a topic from, uh, from basically the early modern uh, period in which uh, governments try to uh, protect their own, uh, their own market. Uh, by having uh, high uh, barriers to, uh, to imports. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea is that you, uh, if you create a barrier towards imports, then you create more incentives for creating production in your own country. Yeah. So that's a way of fostering your own, uh, your own economy. And what we are seeing now is that uh, there has been an enormous increase in, uh, in free trade. Uh, and also uh, in pro producing your goods in a lower cost location. However, the reason for those lower costs are also caused by your own regulation. So for example, if you want to produce a pair of jeans in the Netherlands, it would be very expensive because we have a minimum wage, we have a lot of rules about workplace safety, yeah. um, we have uh, higher taxes. Uh, so we have a lot of rules to protect both the environment and also the labor force. And that is what makes it expensive. And that is what makes it attractive uh, to source your production offshore. Yeah. So in fact, a large part of this globalization is actually driven by a pervasive state power and state influence. Only whereas before in the times of mercantilism, you were using your laws to protect your home market. Now your uh, rules are actually driving away production from your home market. And that is a topic which, uh, which needs to be uh, seriously addressed. 
uh, if we are serious about uh, yeah, both our, our economy, but also about fighting, uh, fighting emissions. Yeah. Yeah. So basically uh, introducing and, and, and enforcing standards on, on uh, CO2 emissions or maximum CO2 emissions uh, associated with, with production of goods. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, if, if you match uh, strong regulation with, uh, yeah, like lax uh, rules for, uh, for imports, uh, then you are not going to achieve your public goals and you're also not uh, going to support your own, your own economy. Exactly. So that, that's a problem which is going to become uh, larger in the future because our ambitions are becoming larger as well. So uh, yeah, so those are some some driving forces which are uh, at work in uh, in decreasing globalization. Uh, but another important topic, of course, is strategic. I mean, during the pandemic, uh, a lot of countries have noticed that for some basic supplies, you know, for instance, uh, these uh, face masks, a lot of countries were completely uh, reliant on on, on outside uh, countries. Yeah. And a lot of uh, leaders have uh, been thinking, okay, but is this a good idea? I mean, right now it's a pandemic. Maybe in a few years there will be another pandemic or there will be another huge uh, crisis. Yeah. And uh, this is really reinforcing uh, the idea of being, uh, being self-reliant. Um, so those are some of the factors which are driving uh, regionalization of, uh, of production. And that has a huge yeah. impact yeah. on all sorts of sectors. Yes, indeed. But... Uh of course, face masks uh, are one thing, but uh, also think about uh, strategic goods, uh, sensitive economic sectors, uh, high tech, uh, military uh, uh, goods, but also what we call uh, dual use uh, goods. So, so basically goods that can be used for military purposes, uh, but also for other purposes, those, uh, those kinds of, uh, of products. Uh, are of course already in a number of cases uh, marked as uh, as strategic and therefore uh, uh, not to be exported but what you see is that uh, that uh, european countries have have basically been slower with with implementing uh, stricter uh, regulations there uh, slower than the united states that is um, that is again uh, a development that will no doubt uh, lead to uh, or uh, uh, a further uh, the process of regionalization. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I also think that uh, more and more uh, sectors are being labeled as strategic. I mean, uh, topics uh, such as, of course, uh, uh, the mobile communications network uh, by uh, Huawei. Yeah. It has become very contentious, while in the years before it was uh, yeah, not seen as a strategic uh, industry. Yeah. And uh, it, it's taking really uh, interesting uh, shapes. Uh, for instance, let's talk a bit about uh, the app uh, TikTok, which is uh, very uh, popular among people born uh, during this uh, century. So mostly uh, teenagers who use it uh, to communicate with each other and... Uh, sent uh, videos of them uh, dancing and, and even that one has been labeled strategic because TikTok is a Chinese uh, company. Uh, the American government doesn't want them to control all the data of its, uh, of its own citizens. Yeah. 
So you're seeing that uh, the range of industries which are strategic is all the time expanding um, because you can use all sorts of uh, sectors in a strategic way. Absolutely. And also, uh, uh, you're, you're mentioning TikTok, but, but think of the internet. Huh? Um, we, we all know, for instance, the Chinese firewall. It is uh, not possible in China to use WhatsApp. It's not possible to use uh, Western uh, news uh, media. Just not possible. It's, it's just uh, being being inhibited. Um, and yeah, what what is emerging? But perhaps you can 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 add. But what is emerging is an, an internet of uh, of different uh, world regions, sort of the the. The drifting apart of the internet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, previously, of course, uh, the internet, uh, also uh, known as the World Wide uh, Web, was seen as a global uh, phenomenon yeah. with just a few countries which were uh, authoritarian, which were not uh, going along with the times. They were uh, blocking uh, access for their uh, for their own citizens to the full internet, uh, of which uh, the uh, Great Firewall of China is, of course, the most salient example. Uh, which is now also uh, yeah, finding other countries who are following China's lead in this, uh, in this regard. Uh, but more importantly, the Chinese have uh, really uh, developed their economy in an uh, incredible way. And uh, in many uh, areas of the online world, they have companies which can rival the American companies or even surpass them. You know, think about companies such as uh, WeChat, uh, but also uh, Alibaba. Uh, so the Chinese have built their entire own infrastructure. So yeah. it's not that there is a global worldwide web of which China is taking part uh, more or less, but the Chinese have their own contribution to the whole digital infrastructure. Yeah. Um, so and another thing which is also happening, which we have seen uh, in recent in the past five years uh, thereabouts, um, is that also in the West we are becoming concerned about the influence which other nations have on our political processes online. Mm. So uh, foreign governments are also active on, on social media, trying to influence uh, election results or at the very least uh, the public opinion. So, uh, so those are the yeah, developments which are uh, coalescing um, to, yeah, to create a sort of regionalism in the online sphere as well. I predict that there will be uh, the internet will split into at least two parts. There will be an American-led part, and there will be a Chinese-led uh, part, and maybe there will be some, uh, yeah, some variations on that uh, as well. And some overlapping and uh, yeah, communication absolutely. between the two, of course. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's also a core point in our book that uh, all of these regions will be overlapping. I mean. Uh, there will be uh, different uh, different blocks for different areas. So, for instance, in Europe, uh, we have uh, the European Union, uh, but then a lot of the European Union states are also members of the NATO, which then includes the US and includes Canada. So there will not be uh, a clear cut uh, conflict between different blocks, but they will overlap and they will uh, become more or less uh, important, uh, yeah. Regarding uh, uh, based on the issue which is uh, which is at hand. Yeah, yeah we think uh, in in today's thinking, um, the the natural sort of inclination is to think in terms of competition, uh, competition between the West and China. 
competition between the European Union and, and Russia and, and, and so forth. Um, but perhaps eh, we, we do not know, but perhaps in future, in a more regionalized world, uh, regions might, uh, might even uh, yeah, live more or less uh, apart from each other with, with uh, fewer interactions between them than, than, than we see today. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, the relative share of uh, exports between regions will uh, will decrease vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, internal uh, trading, and that will also provide a lot of new opportunities. Uh, looking at China, uh, they have a huge uh, population, um, which is now currently not uh, at the level of wealth which we know in industrialized uh, countries. So there are huge opportunities to sell to families uh, their first car, their fir first air conditioning unit, uh, you name it. So uh, a lot of opportunities to, to grow economically, but also to really uh, uh, make steps forward in terms of human uh, development. So like we said before, I mean, uh, regionalization is not just a scary thing. It has a lot of great and uh, positive uh, uh, possibilities uh, as well. Absolutely. So when we talk about regionalization, um, we talk about regionalization for a reason. We don't talk about nationalization. So why is that? Yeah, so why not nationalization? Well, the, the, the almost all uh, countries in the world, perhaps uh, save for the United States or Russia, uh, due to its uh, its large territory, um, apart from from those countries, there is hardly a country in the world that is able to, you know, produce for itself uh, everything it it needs. Basically, within regions, though, there are differences between countries. Some countries are uh, lower cost, lo lower wage. Uh, those might, for instance, focus on blue-collar work. Other countries have highly developed service economies. Um, those countries may serve as markets for uh, 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 production from, from, from slightly lower cost locations within the same region. Um, so that's that's why you, you have to you have to be careful with with uh, invoking the word the word uh, nationalization. Uh, no, we think that uh, intra-regional trade uh, and also the the expansion of intra-regional trade networks and infrastructure networks uh, will become uh, more important. So, take for instance uh, the the European Union. We have uh, since uh, some eight years. Uh, we have uh, the, the so-called 10T policy, the Trans-European Network of Transport, uh, which is uh, very much focused on, um, say, uh, completing the, the European uh, transport and particularly railway network. Very important, uh, but its locus is on connecting uh, hinterland markets with the seaport, not entirely, but that's that's where the where the thinking is at. So it's focused on a globalized world, uh, exactly. Basically. Yeah. Connecting markets in the hinterland with entry points. But what if your production uh, 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 
points are also in the hinterland. That means you have intra-regional connections instead of hinterland connections. Well, that is one thing uh, uh, that, that, that will come to the fore, we think. And in addition to that, um, expanding infrastructure, in, in expanding uh, transportation uh, 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 possibilities is also a stimulus for economic growth. So that also provides governments, uh, but especially if we stay at, at the European Union, the European Union itself, so uh, the, 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 the center in Brussels basically, with an opportunity to direct development. Uh, so that means that it's, uh, the, the, the reshoring and the, the relocation of, of production uh, um, should perhaps not, not be left entirely to the market, but should also be, uh, say, mildly steered by, 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 uh, by governance. So if I understand correctly, uh, when we move from a, a globalized to a more regionalized world, it doesn't just mean we're going to do less, you know, like we're going to do less flights, we're going to do less train trips, we're going to do less uh, ocean uh, lines. Uh, but what you are saying is that we need to do it differently and that we are going to uh, develop yeah. actually further in that, uh, in that regard. Well, perhaps we will fly less. Ah. Perhaps. Uh, I could say I hope so. Um, what I what I would predict is that uh, intercontinental connections will will stay and th those networks will will remain rather dense. Um, probably or arguably uh, a little bit less dense than they are now. But this is difficult to predict. But I I, I think there's a there's a case for that. Uh, but at the intra-regional levels or regional flights uh, there is a potential to at least in part replace uh, that mode of transport with better international rail connections ah, okay. now, as yeah. well as high-speed rail connections and there's lots of work to be done there still um, to 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 achieve interoperability and, and, and smooth connections and so forth but there's a huge potential for that um, Again, also there you could you could very well think in terms of uh, forms of uh, uh, government steering. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also in terms of reducing emissions, it's exactly. it's a game changer, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, if we are serious about our ambitions in that regard, uh, I mean that's uh, that's a no-brainer basically. But easier said than done. <laughs> yes, it's a very intricate uh, intricate thing to to improve. All right, thank you very much. I think uh, the listener got uh, yeah, quite a comprehensive picture on what we are, uh, what we are working on. Um, I think uh, regionalization is a force which we will all have to uh, deal with. And if you want to be in the driver's seat, you should uh, read our book, right? I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's basically the solution to, uh, to all your problems. <laughs> um, so related to that, of course, we are uh, at the Happy Dystopian uh, channel and uh, Chris has also seen some of my, uh, my videos. Very good stuff. Thanks, man. Um, so you also saw the video about uh, 
uh, Tony Blair dropping uh, metaphorical bombs uh, this time. <laughs> Did you agree with uh, the former prime minister? Yeah, so what I understood uh, from, from the, the video that you made uh, is that uh, what, what Blair said uh, recently basically is that um, the Labour Party in Britain but also the conservative conservative party, which is in power, as we uh, we know. We're really enjoying the summer weather here. Eh? That's uh, yeah, we have some, <laughs> some thunderstorms in the background, which uh, <laughs> which adds uh, adds to the to the to the gloomy atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> please please continue. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, what 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 Blair said is that the both uh, of the, the 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 two main parties in Britain need to turn their eye urgently on. Basically, the, the people that we've been talking about, the people that have been left uh, around, uh, left behind by globalization, immigration, and, and things like that. And I think it's it's obvious that he has a point. Um, uh, what is less obvious is 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 why now. Huh? Uh, I mm. mean, things can change. That is that is that is clear. Um, when in 2004 uh, the EU admitted uh, eight uh, new uh, Central East European uh, member states uh, into its ranks, the UK, uh, then ruled by, by, by Prime Minister Tony Blair, uh, was uh, amongst the first countries to immediately open up its borders uh, to uh, Workers, okay, yeah. from immigrant workers from 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 that region. Um, the UK has since uh, and until today uh, is uh, the, one of the largest uh, receiver countries of Poles, uh, Bulgarians, you name it. And doubtless, I mean, uh, so much is obvious. I think is that uh, this has contributed tremendously to Brexit. Uh, and you can always say, yeah, you make an argument uh, whether or not a referendum is a, a good thing. But the fact is that um, um, everybody thought, oh, that referendum, it, it will pass by, you know, and then it didn't. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, one could say uh, better late than never. Uh, but then, uh, because of the Brexit, there will be probably uh, less immigration into uh, into Britain from other European countries. But on the other hand, I'm not sure if it will be if the uh, immigration in total will decrease because uh, perhaps the UK will focus more on their Commonwealth, you know, and got those uh, ties uh, closer. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, global Britain. Um, yeah, it's 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 curious to to. To cut yourself loose from from the largest uh, trade block, uh, almost the largest trade block in the world, uh, just outside your your borders, and then uh, pursue all kinds of new trade agreements with with other parts of the world. That's that's curious. Um, we'll we'll see. We'll have to see about that. Yeah, my understanding. I I understand why the people voted for Brexit. But now we are a few years along. I, I don't think we should consider it as a success. Eh? I mean, uh, there's so many uh, topics which are complicated. And you see that, that the UK is still very much uh, 
uh, tied to the EU in all sorts of uh, aspects of uh, trade law, etc. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it will it will be I don't know in twenty years time that you can say something something real about it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, then another topic which I've been talking about uh, quite a lot is uh, the central bank uh, policy, uh, with central banks also including uh, or instituting uh, digital uh, currencies. So just a short uh, recap, the effect of that will be um, that central banks will be able to carry out monetary policy on an individual level. So I've mentioned a few examples, uh, to have uh, negative interest rates or to have funds uh, disbursed, which can only be used for certain purposes or which have an expiration date. Well, to me, that's uh, yeah, a bit uh, dystopian to uh, refer <laughs> the name of, of the channel. Yeah. Uh, how have you looked at, uh, at that? Yeah, I understand that these are still plans, but uh, plan, uh, at least in, in Europe, uh, always comes back. Uh, so yeah, apparently in, in, in uh, let's say, high circles, there is still uh, a lot of thinking going on about how to deal with big banks. That's what I would make a, a, of it because I, I'm not an economist, so I, I follow uh, um, uh, what you tell us in, in, in the movie. Uh, but um, what I understand is that this, this policy of, say, individual uh, uh, accounts for, for citizens at the central bank will more or less uh, uh, undercut the, the commercial banks. Yes. And uh, yeah, what we have seen uh, after the, the crisis of uh, 2008 is that these uh, banks were too big to fail, that uh, they were not properly regulated, that um, uh, their, 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 their top people were um, uh, sort of uh, uh, stimulated to, to take uh, unacceptable risks and, and uh, perverse so incentives and uh, yes uh, yes and um, since then there there have been new regulations uh, what are they called the Basel agreements and so forth but apparently this is still uh, in high circles a topic of con contention and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's uh, I fully agree with you that something has to be done, eh? but mm. I'm just a bit worried that we are creating a few, uh, we're moving from a few system banks, which are too big to fill, to one huge institution, the European Central Bank, which would then also, of course, be too big to fill. Yeah. And then there's the question of, okay, but uh, will we have enough democratic oversight of this institution to prevent problems uh, which have arisen with these other system banks? Yeah. Or would a solution be to decentralize further and to make sure that these big system banks are split up into, into smaller banks uh, to foster more competition? But I think this is a, a very classic uh, left-wing, right-wing, uh, statist, uh, libertarian you know, discussion. That's, yeah. uh, you know, Germany has a lot of these uh, small regional banks, eh? yeah. but they're in, in big trouble, I understand. They they're not healthy at all. So yeah, whether or not uh, smaller uh, banks will be, will be better better fitted for, for these, uh, these uh, circumstances, I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, it remains an interesting discussion, and I'm really glad that you are taking uh, also a different point of view uh, from me, because the main thing that I want to reach is that there is discussion about these topics. And right now I feel that because the topic is uh, too complex or not uh, interesting enough, it's not uh, sexy, we're not talking about it. While these discussions, I think, are very fundamental towards the future of, of both Europe and also our, uh, our economy. Definitely. So, uh, there's, so that's, a, uh, yeah. there's a reassertion going on of the state and in the, in the, the case of the European Union of the, the common institutions. Uh, at the expense of, of market forces, that is that is clear, and yeah, that will in some way play out. But yeah, what is there is there public oversight over over big system banks? I don't think so. So it's just uh, yeah, for me these are questions. Let's yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I hope uh, the last word hasn't been spoken uh, about this. Yeah. And then something else, something which happened uh, last week, uh, the issue surrounding uh, Hungary with their uh, new law on uh, promoting of uh, homosexuality and transgenderism uh, to kids, uh, which is going to be uh, outlawed. And what I think is mostly interesting about that is the response by the Western European uh, powers, which uh, with also uh, our own Prime Minister Mark Rutte saying, okay, if you want to be like that, uh, you shouldn't be in the European Union. Mm. To me, it was uh, yeah very uh, dangerous, basically, because as we mentioned also in relation to the book, we really need Central and, and Eastern Europe as, as the European Union. And if you see that also Hungary is being supported by, uh, by Poland, Slovenia, Slovakia, and also Bulgaria, I mean, I don't think we can stand to lose all, all of them. I mean, uh, what's your opinion on, uh, on that topic? Well, maybe first of all, had uh, this this um, show that we we saw in Brussels is perhaps also uh, a bit of a, a show of powerlessness on the side of of West European uh, countries. Um, well, we know indeed there there are regional differences, but in 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 within the EU and um, Central and Eastern Europe is uh, largely still a conservative so- society. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't think that will that will change. Um, we've seen a couple of years ago the same thing with the with the refugee refugee or uh, yeah, the refugee crisis, where it was uh, ultimately pushed to uh, uh, by by a qualified majority decision uh, in Brussels that all countries uh, should uh, be obliged to, to take in uh, refugees or, or immigrants. Um, and these countries in, in, in Eastern Europe or Central Eastern Europe, they will simply never do it. That's, no. my, that's my idea. Yeah. They will never accept a, a diversification of their, of their uh, populations in in the same way as we as we've seen it uh, in in Western Europe. Of course, they have their own demographic uh, problems. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. I mean, but they, uh, they don't see uh, the, the 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 refugee or immigration uh, topic as a as a solution for that. 
Yeah. And I think it's the same with this uh, uh, LHBT, I think it's called, uh, uh, discussion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's also a more fundamental discussion, perhaps, like, um, do you want to keep all of the European states together? Or are you happy to lose a few if then you can integrate faster, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the membership of, uh, of the UK, of the, of the EU, was really putting the brake on some of the more uh, integrating uh, measures. And now that they are out, it is, uh, it is easier to, to move ahead. And, and I think that will be a discussion in the future as well. Do we go fast or do we stick together? Yeah, the, the euro of different speeds. Um, indeed, the UK, mind you, it's the, the second largest economy, or it was the second largest economy and also the second largest population that left the EU. Uh, yeah, I can't see that as a, as a simple uh, accident. It's much more fundamental than that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, also I think a contentious issue on which uh, the last has not been uh, said uh, yet. Yeah. Right, Chris, so uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. I think we discussed uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of topics, so. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, let's leave it at that. Uh, To everybody listening, stay sane and I will see you next week.